Support for WRFA is brought to you in part by listeners like you who believe in the vital public service WRFA provides through its arts and education programming, as well as through our coverage of local news and public affairs. Plus, your generous support lets us provide a number of volunteer-based programs to be shared on our airwaves. Help keep community radio in Jamestown and Chautauqua County alive by making a contribution today. To make a tax-deductible donation or learn more about becoming a station underwriter, use the donate page on our website, wrfalp.com, or send a check to WRFA Radio, 116 East 3rd Street, Jamestown, New York. Or you can call 716-664-2465. You are tuned in to Arts on Fire right here on 107.9 WRFA. How you doing out there? I'm your host, Anthony Merchant, and we have returning guest, Mr. TJ Buck, no stranger to uh, Arts on Fire. we got local author with us who has a new book out now called Bad Water. We're going to learn more about that, talk to TJ, get uh, caught up. It's probably been about roughly a year, give or take, since we had TJ on, so lots to get into. TJ, how you doing, man? Good, Anthony. How you doing? Really good. I mean, like like I was just saying, I'm trying to think of, uh, obviously it was last time you had your, your uh, last book came out, but it feels like it's been a while. How you been since we last spoke uh, last year? Um, I think it was April when we did it last year, so it's been about, what, 10, 10 months? Yeah, it's been a little while. Total, it, it's always good having you in, but yeah, it flies uh, It flies right by. Did you end up taking, I mean, was was last year, since we did talk to you around April last year, I mean, was writing this new book, was Bad Water, what took up most of 2023 for you? Yeah, well, I think I told you, you know, uh, last time I was trying to get into an idea about writing a book from a female perspective. Yes. The first person. And after we had that conversation, it started going in my head. Once I got a, you know, once I got the basic story, then it just kind of took off from there. So how? What actually? You know what that does? That's a that's another good place to take it because we were talking about that. How did that process continue to go? Writing in a, you know, we we were if people haven't heard it, which can go back and listen. Uh, you know, we did get into that interesting thing. We were trying to write outside of yourself and you know, kind of take take a step out of your own shoes or maybe kind of put yourself in another, you know, someone else's shoes and write in that way. How did that end up going? How did that process continue going, trying to kind of write outside of a voice you normally would? Uh, well, what I ended up doing is, um, well, the basic story of Badwater is um, there's this girl who's 23, Gina, and her mother was murdered by a serial killer when she was three. So this is 20 years later, and she's going back to her hometown to try and see if she can find out what happened. And I got, once I got into it, I started writing in the first person, but then as I went along, I ended up, every chapter is in a first person narrative, but from various characters. Oh, wow. So you're writing from quite a few different voices. Yeah. There's of the six characters, there's 10 characters, six are female and four are male. Oh, wow. So it was, it was kind of, it took me a while to you know, get each voice the way I wanted it. How do you, you know, or something like that, because I mean, you know, okay, before we're like talking about trying to figure out the voice of one female character, but you jumped in and did a few on top of also, you know, doing the voice of different, you know, male characters. I mean, how... Jumping into that, how do you how do you feel? Because that process, I mean, again, last time we talked, you're talking about one character. It sounds like you you went even further into that. I mean, how how then was that process of kind of t- talking in so many different voices or writing in so many different voices? I should say. 
it's no, it's just it's just a process, trial and error thing. I mean, I knew the the main, the main character Gina was a minor character in my previous two books, so I had I had her personality and her voice, you know, already set. And I had been reading a lot of stuff about cold cases, so I wanted some cold case detectives to be in there. And those are all male: the original detective, the cold case detective, and the one that comes in later on, who's like an independent consultant. And they're all cops; they're ex-cops, so. I had to use their voice differently than I did the, the voices of the victims. Now, is that is that difficult? You know, is it is it hard at all? I mean, doing the male ones, obviously, I'm sure you can kind of inject yourself a little easier. But I mean, is it still hard doing something like that where, you know, if you're trying to write in the voice of, I don't know, like, yeah, like a cop or, you know, a detective or something, say you've never been a cop or detective, you know, is it is it hard to try to get in that mindset at all? Or do you try to not even think about that? I mean, if you're trying to, like, write something like that, you try not to think of that task of well, I've never personally been, you know, whatever whatever they might be in the uh, in the book, but now I got to write like them. Well, I I read uh, a couple of books by former detectives, cold case detectives, just so it would give me kind of a insight into how they approach things and how they work. So that helped a lot. Just trying to get in, yeah, that that probably would trying to get into the head of somebody. You know, again, like if it's something, uh, if it's something you've never personally done, which I'm sure you still inject yourself in there, but you still got to try to get into that, uh, you know, into their voice, I guess. But I mean, basically, basically, what I wanted to do with this book is make it about the victims, not the killer. Oh, now was that was that challenging at all in writing it, or I mean, did that kind of all? Did you ever find yourself having to kind of readjust your writing or play with it a little bit to get it in that way, or I mean, the kind of naturally? You write more well, about what, the victims. That was the the purpose of the book. I mean, these serial killers, they're all the same. You know, they're, they're sick. They're monsters. They can't be fixed. You know, and everybody knows Ted Bundy and Jeffrey Dahmer and whoever else. But how many people know the names of the victims? That's a really good point. I mean, nobody. Except the families, probably. So I wanted it. You know, those guys don't deserve anything. So I wanted it. To concentrate on the families of the victims and the victims. And I actually wrote three chapters from the point of view of the victims from the afterlife. Oh wow. That that's that like again, you know, going in that like I mean, al- already trying to write for one, but you have so many different characters and so many are you almost I guess also like with that with writing different characters and going through these different chapters. How about like the flow of it to make like bad water all one book? I mean, was that hard at all? Because if you're writing kind of different voices for different people, you know, say there's like those three chapters, you got to make those three chapters work with, you know, this other chapter with this character. I mean, is that difficult at all? Kind of when you're when you're moving around, it's not just kind of you're following one guy for, say, 30 chapters, but instead you're moving around like that. Is it hard at all to keep it consistent or to keep it all within that so it feels like one coherent story? What I had to do is just I had to write, you know, chapter one is Gina, chapter two is her mom. So I basically, before I started, I planned out who each chapter was going to be narrated by. Mm. And that gave me a way to go to structure it. So I was taking the story from when Gina goes back to her hometown until the conclusion. So and that helped a lot. 
How about like, you know, like, cause again, it, I don't know. I love picking the brains of authors and writing books. Nothing, nothing I've ever done seems like a daunting task. Like for you, what do you, what do you think shocks people most who aren't writers? When you're talking to people who aren't writers like myself, when you like talk about the process of writing a book, what do you, what do you seem, what seems to surprise people when you're talking to someone who's never written and you're describing to them what it's like, like the process of writing and all that. Cause even right now we're talking about like, again, like how do you write in all these voices and make it coherent and this and that. And I mean, you're, you're describing the process and some of it's stuff I would never think of as a non-writer. I mean, is there anything that you seem to think people are kind of shocked by when you talk to them about this part of writing that they just wouldn't think about or expect it to go? Well, the, the, I was telling somebody the other day, literally a lot of the stuff that ends up happening in the course of the novel I don't think about until I actually write it. Really? It'll just, it, it, it just pops in my brain as well. This, you know, I have a general idea of the story, but as you're going through, you're like, all right, well, if this happened, then I need to, I can throw this in and explain, you know, this character's motivation or, I mean, it's not like I plan out exactly what's going to happen every chapter. I just, I have a general idea, and then as I'm writing, stuff comes up. So it's not super, like, then, then would you say, too, it's not super structured in that way where, yeah, you're writing, if you're writing chapter one, you're not writing chapter one into chapter two into chapter three so much, whereas maybe you're writing it, and now you go back and maybe play around with this chapter, move this around. Like you're saying, it sounds like it doesn't all unfold in, like, chronological order all at once. It doesn't really work that way so much. Well, yeah, there's, I mean, I've gotten, I think I got to like chapter seven and then it ended up being chapter eight because I went back and stuck into a different chapter three and moved the other four <laughs> chapters forward because I thought of something while I was writing chapter seven. And I'm like, well, wait a minute. I just had this character do something and it doesn't, I didn't explain it in the beginning. So I, sometimes you have to shuffle it around. I think people think that, you know, that, I have, you have the writer has absolutely everything planned out that's going to happen in the novel. And I, maybe it's something to do, but I don't. I'm, I think I'm kind of guilty of that. I mean, I guess talking, I mean, now I've talked to enough authors where, yeah, I start to figure out that that's not the case, but I won't lie. I think again, as a, as a non-writer, I think sometimes you do think that like these things just kind of fall into place in a different kind of way where, yeah, again, it's like, all right, well, you wrote chapter two, naturally you just write chapter three, you know, go on to chapter three and chapter four and so on. So yeah, it's kind of that's kind of uh, interesting to hear about like that side of writing. And I know like you and I have talked before, you know, on top of doing novels. I mean, you've done a lot of writing in your in your career. You're no you're no stranger to it. Was there like a moment for you in your writing career where you feel like you yourself you felt like a bona fide true writer? Did you ever have that kind of moment? Like I feel like people kind of have those. Even I mean, you know, I we always bring it to music, but music's another one where it's like you kind of. Maybe maybe you play an instrument, but I feel like you have that moment where you go, this is when I'm truly a bona fide musician or I'm, I truly, you know, this is my craft or something. You know, do you, have you had that with writing? Did you ever have that moment where you're like, that's when I feel like I really became a true writer or this was really like a path for me? When I got the f copies of my first book from my publisher nice. and opened the package and held it in my hand. That's, I mean, that's like, I guess it would be like if, you know, the first time if you're in a band, you hear yourself on the radio. Oh, yeah. Because up till then, it's like, 
well, I don't know if this is any good. I don't know if anybody's going to care. And then all of a sudden, you've got it there. And I still remember that moment. That's still that. I mean, it's still a, to an extent. It's still that. And every time I get one a copy of my books, it's like, okay, it's real now. <laughs> I I feel like that has to be because I mean, in, in including, I mean, you you are you're a prolific writer and you write so much. But I I don't know that people realize that. That I mean, there there is still probably that too. Where like even once you feel bona fide, it is still nice once it's out in the open and for people to read it and to probably get that feedback and stuff. Because I mean, yes, obviously you know you can write. You have there's many novels you've written. Like we know T.J. Buck can write a book. Like you're very you know you know what you're doing. But I'm sure it is still nice where yeah, once it's out in the world and you get that. You know, you you get the okay from uh, you know everyone else is like yeah like this is a good piece of work. I'm I'm sure that is still a very gratifying thing. You still kind of like that uh you know the the reinforcement or whatever of uh you know hearing from people once it's out in the world. Well, I mean the, the Rolling Stones just put out a new album that's actually pretty dang good, and they've been doing it for what sixty years. Yeah, <laughs> double my age. Yeah, well, yeah, well, thanks for that because I'm. <laughs> That's my age, but okay. <laughs> <laughs> my bad, my bad. No, no, that's all right. You'll get there someday, my friend. Oh, I'm getting there. Don't worry. I'm getting there, TJ. <laughs> <laughs> but no, I mean, like, 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 even with them, I'm sure they, I'm sure the Rolling Stones still like to hear, like, hey, good album or good song, or even when they play a show, like, hey, that was a really good set, you know, like, even though you know the Rolling Stones can write an album or they know, you know, they know their scales, they know chords, they know music, they know how to, to do all that. You still like to, uh, to know that people are listening and care and that what you put out was, you know, something good. Yeah. I mean, that's, I mean, why else would those guys be doing it? They're all in their eighties. They don't have to do this anymore. Yeah, that's a good point. I don't, I don't think they need the money either. I don't know. No, no. <laughs> I don't think they're going on tour to like pay rent or anything. I don't, like that. I don't think they have to worry about the next 10 generations of their family. Yeah. I was going to say long after they're gone, I'm pretty sure the Rolling Stones will be, will be paving the way for many people in those families for sure. But one one thing I do, I mean, you know, you, you were kind of talking about too earlier. Last time I talked to you, I mean, you already really were starting, you know, work on Bad Water before it was, you know, before, when your last book, it just came out. So, I mean, I got to ask you, you know, Bad Water just came out, but are you already thinking about writing the next one? Has that already become a thing? Because I have learned that with you. You write fast, so most people I wouldn't ask that of, but I will ask <laughs> if you've already started thinking about the next book. Well, Bad Rider is my third novel in 19 months. Oh, my God. So I, I'm not sure because I've basically been writing nonstop for a year and a half. I mean, the next one, I might start the next one tomorrow, but <laughs> right now my brain's just like, well, let's just chill out for a little while and see what happens. Yeah, can you like, you know, that that's the other thing with that because, I mean, I'm, when you say it like that, I mean, I know you write a lot, but I mean, when you really say three books in 19 months, I mean, you really are a prolific writer. Is there any of that? Like, can you turn your ideas on and off at all when it comes to writing or do you have no control over that? Like, do you just, when you feel inspired, you feel inspired and how long that's going to last, you really have no say over. I mean, is it kind of like, it kind of sounds like that, whereas like you sound like you've had a really good streak right now. And what's next is anyone's guess because it, it just kind of depends what that creative streak is like. It's exactly it. That's it's 
you know, there's always somewhere in the recesses of my mind, the wheels are spinning, even if I don't consciously think about it. And when the idea comes, it's just like, okay, time to go. Time to act on that. Time to see where it goes. And I think that, you know, all the years in, in newspaper journalism, where you had to write every day, all day, that, like I said, that, I think that we talked about this before, that cures writer's block. Oh, instantly. <clears throat> Do you still find yourself doing that? Like with, you know, like, like you're saying, I mean, you're a writer like that, you are writing just constantly and every day. Like nowadays, do you try doing that at all? Where you try to write something every day or no? I mean, also at the same time, you're writing so many of these books. I mean, I don't know. I don't know if you still try doing those exercises and stuff. Cause obviously it sounds like you're writing every day either way right now. Well, I have been, like I said, for the last like a year and a half. But I'm not, you know, I don't just sit down and write for the sake of writing. It's got to, it's got to be when the idea is there and I start the book, then I just, then I start going and I write, well, six days a week usually. Jeez. You do a lot of, yeah, you definitely do a lot of writing, but people, I think we all appreciate it. I mean, you know, people like the uh, output and there's a lot of books out there, including the uh, new one. I will ask, cause I know you've also done them for the last ones. Any uh, signings or readings you have planned for Badwater right now? Um, yeah, I just talked to Bob Lingo up at Good Neighbor Bookstore in Lakewood. We're doing a book signing there on February 17th. It's Saturday from 11 a.m. to 1 p.m. Very nice. And then I'll do one at Falconer Library sometime after that. So we'll be coming up here very soon. You'll be doing the, uh, the little bad water kind of, uh, press tour around Chautauqua, which that 17th ain't far away. That's really, that's only a couple weeks away now. No, you know, I just actually I just talked to Bob this morning, and we kind of locked down the. I mean, I knew we were going to do it in February. We just had to figure out what day was best for both of us. Nice, nice. Well, we got we got those. We got the new book. Um, you know, actually, we were just talking too. I mean, on on top of your book, obviously, everybody go read uh, Bad Water. But for you yourself, have you read any uh, books lately? Anything you recommend to people to check out? Um. Well, I just found this the writer named Ralph Dennis who wrote crime novels back in the 70s. And it was just put out by a cheap publishing house, and basically nobody knew who he was. But the guy was amazing. And they just, the last couple of years, Joe Lansdale, who's written a ton of mysteries, The Happen Leonard, which they made a TV show out of, he was a big fan of Ralph Dennis, and he managed to talk to the Dennis's family, and they reissued all of his books just in the last couple of years. And he's a fantastic writer. And he just, he never got, I mean, he ended up, right before he died, he was working in a bookstore. Oh, jeez. Because he couldn't make a living, even though he was one of the best crime writers that's ever existed. I kind of like hearing about those. I mean, it happens, you, you obviously see that in music a lot where it comes up where like, or you'll see the documentary now where like, you know, this prolific songwriter, this and that, who never really got their dues, and then you get to discover them later. I like to I like to hear that that also happens in the in the literary world, where, like, you know, guys who maybe didn't get their dues back in the day were amazing writers that, like, you know, later on there's still that chance to kind of get it reissued, republished, and kind of out there for the world to enjoy. Well, that's, there's, I don't know if you've ever heard of them, there's a all-female group in the 60s named Fanny. Yes, yes, I've heard of them. I've heard a couple songs. Oh, my God, they were great. They really are. They're, they're all of them incredible musicians. They had three of them that could sing. They were incredible, and they got 
I mean, we were the first all-woman band signed by a major label, but even then, they didn't really ever get any mainstream success at all. And then they, like I said, they had a documentary a few years back, and it, you know, kind of exploded. But God, they were amazing. No, I love those. I mean, again, it's great to discover, you know, new art, but like old art that was overlooked. I mean, there's there's more than enough of it. So sometimes looking back is not a bad thing at all. I like I like uh, you know things like that. Same with actually, you want to give that author again to uh, check out Ralph Dennis. Ralph Dennis. How- Ralph Dennis. Excellent, excellent writer. How about on the music? I mean, we've talked about it a little bit. You just mentioned the Stones a couple minutes ago too. I mean, anything on the music side you've been listening to to let the people know about? I mean, again, we're filling them in on your new book. But what else <laughs> should we be checking out? Well, I've been kind of going backwards you know and nothing wrong with that i think we chatted on facebook about big star yes i've been listening to some of them they're incredible yeah of course they always were um the replacements but this we also talked about oh one of the bad tim reissue last year i i absolutely loved i mean here comes a regular right it's one of the best songs ever written true by anybody true. i mean just the, the lyrics are just perfect no, Paul Paul Westerberg. If we're talking writers of anything, lyrics, poetry. I mean, any just just writer. He, he's my all time favorite writer, one hundred percent. And I, Uncle Tupelo. I, I love Uncle Tupelo. Love yeah. them, love them, love them. You know what? Are you okay? Now I got to ask you this. Here's the big question: Are you a Wilco fan? I love Uncle Tupelo. I've never been able to get into Wilco. Won't lie. The first album I liked because that was a little bit more Uncle. Tupelo-ish, because it was all Uncle Tupelo except Jay Farr. Yeah, it was still that. So, so they still kind of st- stuck around, not exactly, but they were sort of close to what they had been before. And since then, they've gone kind of pop. And, and It sounds like you, okay, I'm, I'm happy to hear this, because it sounds like you're in the same boat as me, and normally I have to talk to people who love, love, love Wilco, which, you know, if you love Wilco, that's fine. I have no problem with that. But yeah, I, I have to be like, I love Uncle Tupelo. I, I I love what they did there. I just cannot connect with Wilco at all. Well, Uncle Tupelo to me was, I mean, this is going to sound pretty extreme, but to me, they were just groundbreaking. Oh, no. I mean, you know, the, the birds and, you know, the, the band. There was other country rock stuff going on well before them, but they made punk and country together no they really i mean that I, I feel like they're a band too where you know like you're like you're talking about i think if you look current day you'll find things that are like wilco but really when they started there's not a whole lot they're one of those bands i think you 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 get imitators you get people who you influence who then later on it's like the replacements i mean there's a thousand replacements in the 90s but like the replacements yeah, of the absolutely. 80s there's one you know that kind of deal and i think wilco is probably of that too where yeah did something really fresh and new at the time and you just kind of forget you know again even if it's not my cup of tea it's like still fresh and new at that time where yeah later as it or uncle tupelo really and then later as as time goes on it's like everybody everybody gets into that and you hear all the other bands who are not who kind of sound like that but are not as good and then it gets kind of the genre gets bloated if you will well who's gonna do was like that too yeah that's another great one i mean they were like the hardcore punk and you kind of mix those two genres together. You will never, you you will never like when you start going back. You're that's another one. I mean, obviously, punk existed and hardcore, but like 
they didn't exist like Husker. Like nobody bridged that gap or brought those things together like Husker Du did. And again, like I mean, yeah, they get credit, but I don't. I hope later on though in the history books, like I do hope like Bob Molds, Grant Hart's, the Paul Westerbergs, like all those names are like in the music history books. I, I you know, they, they get their credit still, but I hope they get the true credit they deserve. That like you know, <laughs> Alex Chilton gets said in the same breath as Paul McCartney kind of stuff. Yeah, I want an Uncle Tupelo replacement. Who's going to do in big style in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame? I'm with you. We need that. We do need that. And how they and they all there. they all they all should be. It's a crime that it's honestly a crime that they're not because those are also those are and the people who are in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame those are probably their favorite artists. If you go look at the people who are in there and you ask them, probably all influenced by them. Well, look at how many punk bands got in before they voted the Sex Pistols in. Yeah. <laughs> And the Sex Pistols, that's a classic one. They're, uh, that, that whole they like they had, they had the Clash and all these bands. Not that I don't love the Clash, but they had, all, you know, they had 15 punk bands in the Rock Hall of Fame. They still couldn't put the Sex Pistols in. I'm like, what are you doing? No, this is, this is what you're, you're right. Like, again, there's, it's that, why are you not going to the beginning? It's like you have 15 other bands, but like the Sex Pistols were there before them and they were all influenced by them. So, like, yeah, like I, I totally get what you're saying there. Wouldn't you, wouldn't you start at like the Godfathers and all that? Like, shouldn't it shouldn't be those be the ones we're giving all the accolades to? Well, yeah, you would think so, but you know, that's <laughs> help. You know how it is; it happens that way. It always has, always will. Well, I will say, TJ, if you want to take a break from writing, I think you and I need to uh, start a new Hall of Fame, a music Hall of Fame. I, th- I think we might get the the real Hall, like not the like like the the true true artist ones not the not the ones who sold the most the ones who should be in there basically let's see who who else can I put there Ian Dory and the Blockheads were brilliant what a great band I will say Uh, I don't know them very well I know the name I cannot I will not say I know them super well but the musicianship in the band Wilco Johnson was an amazing guitar player oh no it's just amazing no. Yes, Irma Thomas, I think she might be in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. If she's not, she ought to be. She had an incredible voice from Louisiana. Nice, nice. Who's, yeah, who and this is probably a guilty it? pleasure, but I love Adam and the Ants. Oh, yeah. No, Adam and the Ants are great. That They would not be a bad one in there. And plus there were two ants. The original group who formed Bow Wow Wow with Annabella who were amazing musicians. And then you got another group that were also great. See, this is why we need to do this. This is the, we really need, I I really think that that might be, I need to take a break from radio. You need to take a break from writing. And I think you and I need to like the true rock and roll hall of fame. Like the real Jamestown, Jamestown can use another museum. We got Lucy (laughs) and the comedy central or comedy, whatever (laughs) hall of fame. No, I, I think, yeah, we, I think we'll fit in right here. Make Western New York the place for, uh, you know, if not here, Minneapolis. I guess that'd be the other place. If we're doing Husker Du replacements, it might have to be in the Twin Cities. If not, if not Jamestown, we might have to open this in either St. Paul or Minneapolis. <laughs> but no, well, I'm trying to think of any other books I've read lately. Um, Dennis Lee Hand's new novel. Um, he wrote Mystic River. Oh, nice. His, his new novel, Small Mercies, is brilliant. Anne Bronte, she never gets the publicity her sisters got. <laughs> oh, nice. But she was such a good writer. Everybody knows you know, Charlotte and Emily, but they don't. They, they tend to forget about her, and she was great. So this is what I mean. I like. I like. You know, again, it's like 
there's there's tons of great things out there that people have heard, read, all that. But it's like the the things that already exist that maybe you overlook. That's why that's why I like these, things. and that's why I like talking to you because you you're good at that. You're you know we can we can talk about those things, books and music, where you know see check out what's going on now, but also like if you missed this, go back and check this out. So there's a lot to check out right now. Well, there's another one that's the only novel that ever made into a movie that was just as good. It's the dancer upstairs. I've never seen that. The movie was brilliant, and I didn't want to see it because the novel was one of my favorite novels ever written. It's about the Shining Path Revolution in Peru, and I'm like, oh man, this is you know usually when you see a movie, if you're one of your favorite novels, they ruin it. Yeah. Oh yeah, <laughs> it is normally a disappointment. But this one, I'm like, all right, I'll, I'll give it a shot because John Malkovich directed it, so I thought yeah, he, he might get it. It was beautiful. It was perfect. Yeah, no, you are you are right about that, and I feel like I feel like being an author, you might even be more more uh, kind of like trying to uh, critical, maybe, but you know, just also knowing the knowing you know writing writing a book and what goes into it, and that's kind of your baby, and then seeing it adapted into film. I feel like sometimes that could hurt if they don't if they don't do it right. And I feel like even like you you know as a writer, I'm sure you can even feel that way. Where it's like, imagine if they took one of your imagine they made Bad Water into a movie, but like took out all of the little details or all the things that made it special or your favorite parts of what you wrote, and then you see like you know their their kind of Frankenstein version of it on the big screen afterwards. I mean, I don't oh, I, I'd be suing everybody involved. <laughs> <laughs> Don't 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 change my stuff. <laughs> yeah, just film it and put it on the screen. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe we'll see that next. Maybe we'll get the the bad water adaptation. I mean, that's probably just pure arrogance showing. But I'd be like, no, don't change a thing. Just I like that. Though, yeah. Film what I wrote, and then we'll see what happens. <laughs> Spoken like a true artist, TJ. <laughs> Keep the integrity. I'll- I'll take the paycheck, but I want to keep the integrity too. Absolutely. <laughs> Can't blame you there. Well, I mean, as we close this out, I mean, always a good time talking to you. We've told them about bad water. We've told them about some music to uh, listen to, some books to read. Is there anything else as we uh, close this out we should let them know about? Where do we find the new book? Where do we, uh, you know, you'll have some signings coming up, all that good stuff. But uh, where should we send them for bad water now? Um, Bob. Lingo up to the Good Neighbor Books in Lakewood is going to have a bunch of copies here shortly, and I, I always give one to Flock in the library because that's where I grew up reading. Nice. And so we're going to do book signing at Good Neighbor Bookstore on the seventeenth Saturday, February seventeenth, eleven to one. Um, you know, I know Amazon this is, this is a corporate giant, but I make a lot of money off them, so I got to plug them. They have my books are all my novels are on Amazon and soft cover and ebook. Nice. So you can you can come and uh, get it locally, or if you're not in the area, you can find it online. Well, nice. And I think I think uh, and there's others, Barnes and Nobles and Goodreads and whatever else. Most book sites will have them. You'll find it online. That and all your uh, past books, because now you got quite a few to uh, go check out. Yeah, and I'm still working on the uh, Live at Budokan audio <laughs> book. So. I'm happy you haven't forgotten about that one. <laughs> <laughs> no, God, that made me laugh so hard. We, I, I really hope, you know, I mean, next time you're on, because this will not be the last, I hope it's for that. I hope that's what you're promoting <laughs> next time you're on. I really hope that's what it is. 
I feel like that's a treat too. If you're listening to this and you haven't listened to our last interview, there's a treat if you go back and listen to that. It will all it'll all make sense if you go listen to our last interview. <laughs> well, we make ourselves laugh. That's the important thing. <laughs> it is. I, I always have a I always have a good time uh, uh, talking to you, TJ. But uh, yeah. I mean, I, I feel like we've hit everything. We're talking uh, bad water here with author TJ Buck. Always a blast talking to him. And again, I can't stress enough. Go check out the book. Check out uh, all the things he said to go read and listen to. Go listen to our uh, two past interviews as well. And we'll have TJ back on soon enough. I'm Anthony Merchant, and I'll be right back with more in just a second. You're tuned into Arts on Fire right here on 107.9 WRFA.